You are listening to How Does She Do It, episode 25. Welcome to the ride. Thank you for listening to another episode of How Does She Do It, a podcast dedicated to sharing practical insight and honest perspective on being grown. My name is Tiffany and I'm your host, and this is the 25th episode of the show. But before I get into that, I just have a few announcements. The show notes for this week's episode will be available at howdoesshedoitpodcast.com slash 25. You can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram at howdoes underscore she do it. You can also follow me on Twitter and the Instagrams at Tiff South. That's Tiff with two Fs. And um, if you are interested in uh, joining the email list, you can go to howdoesshedoitpodcast.com and sign up for the email list there. There will also be links to the Facebook page, which is if you just go on Facebook and search for How Does She Do It, my uh, podcast will come up. And on the Facebook page, I put up questions, put up pictures, I put up articles that I don't always talk about during Just My Thoughts because, of course, I come across these different things during the week. And I and there are things that I think you all might be interested in or you might not be interested in, but I would just love for you to join the community and kind of create dialogue around some of these things that I share on the page. And if you are listening to the show, that means you have found it, obviously. But if you are looking to tell someone else who to who may want to listen to the show, you can listen to the show directly on the website at howdoesshedoitpodcast.com. The show is also available on Acast, which is an app or a web program um, for podcast. Stitcher, which is also web-based or has a and has an app as well. And it is also on Google Play Music, so you can listen to it there. But if you really want to do me and the show a great favor, as well as future listeners, you would listen to the show on any of those platforms or on iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review in the iTunes store. Or you can send me an email with your thoughts and I will read those on the show as well. It's really important uh, for the show to continue to get reviews and ratings in the iTunes store so that it keeps being um, recognized in in the iTunes podcast community community so that more people can hear about the show, can listen to the show and access it. So please leave a rating and review. Please tell your friends about it. And um, I'm hoping to grow the show more. And it's only with your support that I'm even still here doing this because you you guys reinforce the reason and the, the, you know, the messages that I leave. So I really appreciate that. And as always, if you have questions, comments, thoughts, you can send me an email to Tiffany at HowDoesSheDoItPodcast.com and I can address your question on the show during the hashtag AskTiff segment or I can respond to your email. Um, But I'd love to hear from you. And again, that's Tiffany at HowDoesSheDoItPodcast.com. Just My Thoughts is the segment of the show where I share just my thoughts on current events, experiences that I've had in the last, you know, since the last recording or, you know, anything that's kind of on the top of my brain at the moment. And this week's Just My Thoughts, I want to talk about the, a few different things actually. And I'm going to start with a conversation about the gorilla Harambe and who was killed in the Cincinnati Zoo a few weeks ago. If you're not familiar with the story, I'll give you a brief background, but I feel like at this point, most people have probably heard about it. So there was a four-year-old boy 
who was at the zoo with his mother and apparently I think some other children who may have been his siblings. I'm not exactly sure. And this boy is interested. They're looking at the gorilla exhibit. The boy wants to go into, into the gorilla exhibit, not just watch the gorilla exhibit. And so, of course, the boy's mother tells him no. Boy decides to crawl and climb, or rather climb, into the gorilla exhibit. How he did that, and I actually saw little um, like diagrams and how they kind of recreated the visual of what the exhibit looked like. He climbed over this uh, kind of stainless steel fence and ended up falling. It's a three-foot fence. The little boy fell 18, excuse me, he fell 15 feet into the gorilla pit and landed in 18 inches of water. So this little boy has had a very, you know, um, exciting experience with these gorillas so far. Falls into the pit and catches the attention of one of the gorillas in the exhibit. Now, this gorilla named Harambi um, notices the boy and kind of goes toward the boy and kind of grabs the boy. Now, from many accounts and from men and looking at the video, it does not look like the gorilla was meaning to do the boy any harm. So the boy is in the in the exhibit with the gorilla. Gorilla, 450 pounds, big animal. Of course, this is very scary. What ends up happening is the zookeepers have a call that they, you know, make to the gorillas in whenever they're, you know, if they're in the in the exhibit to call them out of the of the exhibit. The other two gorillas that were in in the exhibit left the gorilla holding with the little boy did not leave. And so the choice had to be made. We could the, you know, protocol according to the zookeepers, you could tranquilize the gorilla or you could shoot and shoot to kill the gorilla. They chose to shoot and kill the gorilla because of the proximity he was to the little boy. He had become he had become uh, more visibly agitated to in this in in his time with the little boy. The little boy was not harmed. The little boy may have had a few different scratches, but nothing, no major injuries. So of course the gorilla um, ends up being killed. In this last few weeks since this happened, uh, there has been a an outrage. And a huge outpouring of support for and, and, and grief for the loss of this gorilla. Gorillas, uh, this gorilla apparently, um, or I'm not sure if all gorillas are, but maybe this particular uh, species, not exactly sure, but is an, was an, is an endangered species. And so people have been, they've been starting funds and, you know, I can't believe this zookeeper, you know, we should, how could they choose to kill this glorious animal? And all of these things are, you know, valid, right? It's sad that an animal lost his life, especially an endangered species, especially in such a public place and public situation where there were several people around, several people who witnessed um, this this seri- this thing happen. And I mean, how traumatic for this little four-year-old boy who is in this dangerous situation and for his mother to be looking and seeing all of this happen and potentially witnessing or fearing that her child could either be hurt or killed in this situation. And so what, what's happened is that you have kind of two, it seems like two or or more kind of emerging um, perspectives, right? The people who at no cost should, should the gorilla's life have been lost. And then you have people who may be making that same argument who are also stating that, um, that are, who are shaming this mother 
for how could you not watch your child? This mother should be fined for the cost of, you know, of the of keeping of losing this animal's life. And now the world has been robbed of another beautiful animal. All of these terrible things, and of course, all of these tale, these comments live in the comment sections of all of these articles that come up. And I'm sure there are other places deep within the internet that I'm not going to find. There are probably web pages and now Facebook pages and groups and communities dedicated to conversations about how wrong this mother was. And it, what's what's funny, so when I first heard this story, I we did not know whether the the race of the little boy, and because it had not been mentioned, or of this family generally, because it hadn't been mentioned, I assumed it was white, because that's usually what happens. If the racial or ethnic um, you know, identification of a person is known, they usually state it if it's not. So anyway, that might be something you agree, you disagree with, but my belief is that usually news stories tend to reveal the racial or ethnic identity of people, particularly if they are not white. So going forward, didn't know the racial identity of the boy. The vi- first video I saw was in black and white. I couldn't. The picture was grainy. Couldn't tell. And as this conversation has begun to emerge, we have learned more about this family. We have learned more about this little boy. Why? Because people are now looking to tear down this woman and her family and her child because a co- she apparently she's so irresponsible. And the shaming and the language that have been that's being used. It's just it's mind blowing. And it begs the question, of course, for me is if this family, if this little boy was white, if this was a white family, would this conversation be carrying, be occurring in the same way? And one could argue that, yes, it would, because animal activists tend to be very passionate regardless of the circumstances of the situation. Even in a situation like this, where the choice is between a human child life or an animal, people are advocating for the the saving of the life of the animal and not necessarily they're of course they're not arguing directly that the that this child should have lost his life but in arguing for the life of this animal you have you you would be putting the life of this child at risk. And so it just makes it it just makes an interesting question and we can go I will not go into the historical and um you know the I mean not even historical but current way that black children and black families and black people are viewed in American society and some and are often values their lives are not valued the same way that white people's lives are valued or in this case one could argue that animals lives are even valued. And so it just made me what I thought I had when I was for, when I first learned about this story, my perspective on the experience on and on the story was very different than it is now because the, because the conversation is has not at least in in what I have seen and again I have I could have missed something I could have missed another um, evaluation or kind of uh, thought and thought piece as they like to call them now on this um, on this story but it really makes you wonder is race playing a a a role in how this story has now played out and then the way that it has blown up and in the way that people's reaction seems to be seem to be so strong and so visceral almost um, and then it just makes you wonder like are we in a place where we really would regardless of the race size age color we would put an animal's life over a human being I, I, I don't I cannot really imagine very many scenarios where that would ever be a real question that people ask and it's unfortunate and again I'm not saying that animals lives are not important I am not saying that we should not protect our endangered species of this world. That being said, an endangered species life is never more important than a human life, in my opinion. And um, 
if you have thoughts on that, I would love to hear from you. Uh, and, you know, just let me know. The next piece for just my thoughts is it's two things actually relating to the word roots, which is very, um, did not happen like this, didn't plan this on purpose, but, um, roots was a television series that was produced and aired in the 1980s. And it was based on Alex Haley's, uh, book that was also based on his own personal family genealogy and, um, and story. And it is a story of slavery. It is a story of triumph. It is a story of pain. It is a story of America, of America and institutions that institutions that have helped define, you know, the very things that we still deal with and struggle today. It is about identity, family, love. It's so many different things. And I remember watching the series Roots when I was very young, and I have not seen it since then. This is an opportunity for people who have never, who have not seen the first story or who people who are familiar with it but to revisit it's been redone it um airs on the it has aired on the history channel by the time you hear this the series will have already finished airing live but it's a four it was a four part series about i think it was about 8 hours of the series featuring uh, people like Anika Noni Rose, Forrest Whitaker, Lawrence Fishburne, Chad Coleman, Derek Luke and based on the commentary that I've seen on Twitter and things and just what I know about watching movies that depict stories about slavery, stories about racism, anything that involves this this part of our history, you have to be prepared for it and it it's painful and you can prepare, you can kind of just know that that's going to be a part of the experience, but I also think that these things are important for people of all races ages, generations in this country to participate in and to watch and to experience. Because as much as we don't like to make slavery a conversation, and I've seen, I watched a video where uh, Roland Martin, who was responding apparently to Snoop Dogg's commentary that we should stop making movies about this, that's the exact opposite thing that I think should happen. Because slavery is the defining thing about American culture, about American history, next to the Revolutionary War that got us here in the first place. And so for us to say that we shouldn't watch it, for people to ask questions, why do we keep talking about this? We don't talk about it enough, to be completely honest. We don't learn about it enough in school. We don't learn accurate histories of it in school before, between the time that we you know, are in elementary school through uh, graduating high school. And the only way you really learn about what the, the implications of this institution are if you seek out that information yourself or if you find yourself paying attention to things like this. And so I strongly encourage you to watch Roots. Um, again, it is all available on the History Channel. I, ch I checked. It's also available online. I will begin to watch it myself and go through this series. And um, I'm looking forward to sharing my thoughts with you about the experience of watching it and what I thought about the production generally. That being said, I also had the opportunity to participate in the Roots Picnic, not related to the Roots, um, the Roots series on the History Channel. The Roots are a group 
of uh, it's a I, you know, they're a band I guess you would call them they're the two mo- the two names that I know and what I'm most familiar with are Black Thought who is the lead vocalist I guess you could call and he's a, he he raps and uh, Questlove who is a DJ a, a drummer and DJ extremely well known they also they have a residency on um, the Jimmy Fallon show every night and they're a phenomenal band so they have they're from Philadelphia I live outside of Philadelphia they have a concert. Um, and every year it's, this was actually the ninth year that they did the concert and Usher was one of the, was the closing act of the, of the picnic. And when I tell you this show was so good, so it was Usher performing. They were backed by the roots. They did, they had new arrangements for all of the songs that he performed. And of course he did confessions. He did, you remind me, he did, um, yeah, with little John came out on the stage and you know, we were amongst our group of friends. We were always trying to guess what song they, what, what song they were doing because they would do these seamless transitions from one track to the next. And you couldn't figure out what song was coming next because the arrangement was so different than what the original track sounded like. But there was no, so there was no real hint. And then eventually you might be able to catch it. And then all of a sudden the crowd would erupt and the entire off audience was like, was singing along all off key, voices hoarse, tired from being out in the sun all day. And it was a really, really great experience. I heard that they might be doing another, they're going to do this in New York City, um, but I would see Usher backed by the roots again. I would see probably any good R&B artist backed by the roots because that combination of whoever is singing something fly and the roots is just going to be unbelievable because they that band is phenomenal. And Usher, like you forget, Usher is not like... You almost forgot how many jams Usher had and how impactful of for my, you know, kind of 20s and even teenage years all the way going to where I am now, remembering how important these songs were to like to a lot of the experiences that we've had. And so uh, it was a really great concert. If you get a chance to see The Roots, um, see them perform or to see this version of the show, which I don't have a date for, um, and I'm not even sure they have a date for it, but to see Usher and The Roots together, I highly recommend it. And those are just my thoughts for this week. So before I get into this week's episode, I want to take a moment to acknowledge this is episode 25. And if you are over 25, you remember how important that number turning 25 was for you. And so I haven't actually turned 25 here, but I just want to take the chance, take the time to say thank you for listening, for inquiring about where the show is going, about when the next episode is coming out, about ideas, sending me links to articles, you know, engaging with with me for about things that I've said and saying like, yeah, I really appreciated that. No, you know, I didn't really agree with that, but I appreciate your perspective and um, and just t- letting me know and just being supportive. I really, really appreciate it. And I can't say that enough. And I can't tell you enough how humbling this experience is for me and how important it is to the vision that I have for myself, the vision that I have for um, my faith and what I'm trying to do in this world. So it is not possible without your listens. It is not possible without your support. And it is not possible without your iTunes rating and reviews. So please keep doing that. Um, So getting into this week's episode, I want to talk about the idea that your words have power. 
And the inspiration for this came from a sermon that I heard at the Word of Life, Word of Faith, excuse me, church here in Pennsylvania. And the pastor told a story from the book of Luke. And the story was about Zacharias or Zechariah, depending on which version of the Bible you're reading, and Mary. And in this story, Zechariah, who is a priest and is well-known in the community, is well-known to be a man of faith. And then you have Mary, who is the future mother of Jesus at this point. She hadn't given birth to Jesus yet. They are both visited by an angel. And an angel tells them each similar messages, but tells them two different things. And they have kind of different uh, experiences. So Zacharias is married to a woman named Elizabeth. Both Zachariah and Elizabeth are older. They are beyond, Elizabeth is beyond childbearing age. But this angel comes and tells Zachariah that he is going to, his wife, Elizabeth, is going to bear a child and they're going to name this child, they sh- and they're, this child is going to be excellent, and he sh- they should name him John. So, so that was the message to Zacharias. The message to Mary was, Mary, you are also going to bear a child, and you're going to name this child Jesus, and this is how awesome Jesus is going to be. So that's kind of the general, the you know, conversation or the message that was uh, delivered to these two individuals. Now remember, um, Elizabeth is is Zacharias's wife. So Zacharias says to the angel, he basically asked the angel for a sign. He's like, well, I'm old. My wife is old. How I need a sign to know that this is going to happen. And the angel said, you don't need a sign, but now you're going to be mute and you can't talk until this child is born. Mary, on the other hand, after the angel delivers this message to Mary, Mary asks, well, how is this going to happen? Because I'm a virgin. And then the angel explains how it's going to happen. And Mary's like, great, I'm going to keep it moving. And that's what Mary does. And of course, I'm paraphrasing. Of course, these are not the words that are that are in this story, but I just want to give you some context. So when I thought about and in listening to thinking about the message that the pastor was delivering kind of related to this story, when you think about Zacharias, who was a priest, who was well-known, who was a man of faith, his response to the angel's promise to him was based on the deficiencies that he believed existed in his own life. He was spending his energy talking to the angel about why his wife wouldn't be able to deliver a child, why he wasn't, he like why this couldn't happen. And he needed, he wanted proof in advance that this was going to happen. Whereas Mary, when she heard the same thing, she says, well, you know, well, how is this, this how is this going to happen? Okay, this is how it's going to happen. I believe you and I'm going to keep it moving. And so in thinking about that, I wanted to talk about how important, about the the power of the words that we speak. And I think about what what this story made me reflect on were the words that I have spoken in my own life that were a reflection of the things and the deficiencies that I perceived about my own experience, about the things that I was or was not capable of doing based on where I came from. And similar to Zachariah, who, who, even though he was a man of faith, was still finding reasons to not believe that he was capable of something that someone told him he could do or that someone was delivering and promising him. He still was just like, yeah, but I'm old. Yeah, but my wife is beyond childbearing years. I come from 
a place and a family. When you, if you look at the facts of my life and my story, there are very few things that would have led to people believing that I would be where I am right now. When you look at the statistics that are involved in being raised, being born to a woman who was not married, being born to uh, into to parents who suffered with, with drug addictions, to being born into having li- to live in a single parent household, to being on public assistance, to going and graduating, going to a high school that was one of the worst in the in the in the state at the time, to being a survivor of childhood abuse, to also have that countered and balanced by having family who supported me, having a church that believed in me, going to school with teachers who saw potential in me and who invested in me, to being surrounded by people who were who did not take me down certain paths as a as a teenager. So I have had a, a an experience that was balanced, which has ha- which has helped to get me here, and also the grace of God. Let like let's not downplay or diminish that for a moment, but. The fact that I had all of those negative things exist and happen in my life, I found myself growing up and developing and even even recently still find myself having to remember that I am capable of things. And so I, would, I speak words and have spoken words that undermine all of the positive things that happen that, and the proof that I already have in my life that I have been certain places and I've overcome certain things. So I thought about Zachariah and I, and you know, him saying, well, yeah, but you know, I know that you, I hear what you're saying, but here's why I don't think this is going to work. And I, I have those conversations with myself. I have those conversations with people like, yeah, I've defied these odds. Yes. God has brought me through three, through these things, but here's why that's going to stop now. Here's why what you're saying is probably not going to come to fruition. Here's why what I believe is possible actually might not really be possible. And it, what that does is it undercuts the, number one, the promises that God has made to us. And it undercuts the fact that our lives are already evidence of the things that we are capable of. It is very easy in a moment to pay attention to what you don't have. It's very easy in a moment to think about what you're not capable of or think about the things that are out of your reach or to remember the time you didn't get X or the time you didn't have Y or the time you weren't able to do this thing that you wanted to do and to lose sight of all of the yeses and to lose sight of all of the victories and to lose sight of all of the blessings that have come from those struggles you have faced. And it is amazing how our minds are capable of doing that to us. And so, and what I have realized and what I have learned and what I am continuing to learn every day and trying to spend my energy doing is to fortify myself with the words and with the reminders of what is possible and what has already been and the things that I have already seen and gained and been through to remind me that where I am right now, where I am, where I want to go is not going to be hindered or stopped by the things that I don't have with me right now because there are so many more things that 
are leading to and that are evidence of that I'm capable of going beyond where I am right now and getting those things that I can't even yet imagine. Because when I thought about going to, for example, Cornell University in the, you know, for college and before I went to college to go up there for a summer program, there was no way I could not imagine that I was going to be able to rally the resources and the support of people who did not necessarily know me to get me into those places. So that being said, I want to offer five kinds of words that you should choose to speak power and positivity and faith into your life as you go through day life every single day. And so here are the five kinds of words. You should choose words that remind you to check yourself. And here's an example of that kind of word. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. That comes from Proverbs 18, 21. And this is not a new concept that death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's not a new concept, right? People talk about that all the time. You speak things into existence, right? The, it's a very common concept that if you speak negative things, you will feel negative things. You will draw negative energy towards you. If you speak positivity, your attitude can change. And no, it doesn't change your circumstance, but it changes your outlook and your perspective on said circumstance. So your lights could be off, but if you are grateful for the fact that you have gas on your stove that you can use to light these candles in your apartment, you see how that that can change the experience. If you're willing to say that, you know, no, I can't pay all of these bills right now, but here's the bill that I can pay. Here's how I'm going to stretch these $5 and make it into 20 to last me for the next several days. These... Again, it does not change the circumstance. It's not a magic wand. It's not a. Um, it's not a a fix or a you know or a. Um, it's not a magic trick, right? It's not going to change the circumstance in the immediate sense. But what it does is it changes your perspective and your experience and your relationship to that uh, experience. So speak. Just take note that you should speak words that remind you to check yourself as far as the words that you're saying and speaking into this world. You should also choose words of strength. And an example of that is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That comes from Philippians 4.13. And this is a verse that is very well known. It's very popular. It's used to, you know, to, to thrust this kind of positive energy into the universe. But what a lot of, what I didn't realize until I actually read the verses that came before and after this, uh, this, uh, verse 13 was that this verse is an acknowledgement that Paul, who was writing at this time, that in all states, in all circumstance, whether he is hungry, whether he's full, whether he's suffering, whether he is chilling and life is good, he talks about being content because the source of his strength is greater than anything that can come from within himself alone. His, the source of his strength is referring to his, is his faith in God and, and his Christ himself. And so when you think about words of strength, draw on strength that is bigger than yourself. Draw on strength that is not resting solely on the resources that you have inside of your human mind and body, because we are not supposed to do this thing by ourselves. We are not supposed to exist on this earth and in, as a, in a silo and in a bubble and not allow people around you and other resources and other support services to be there to lift you up and to help you carry the things that you're dealing with and also be able to look to look to faith 
look to Christ. My The source of my strength is Christ. And try, I'm learning more to look to him and to remember that no matter what else is happening, whether it's good or bad, that he is the source of my strength. And so when you think that, you know, if I'm tired right now, if I think about somebody who is bigger and stronger than me, even if you take it, we could take it as a physical example. If you are exhausted and you're running a race with someone and you have no energy left yourself, but you can look to that person who's running that race with you, you can draw on the energy of that person that you're with. That person can grab your elbow and kind of usher you across the finish line. That is what Christ is learning. I'm learning to allow Christ to do for me. And I encourage you to allow and look to him or something else to draw that strength for yourself. This is the third type of word we should choose. Choose words that soothe. And an example of this kind of word is be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request, your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. And this comes from Philippians four, six, and seven. So note that this is the same, this is the same chapter of a verse I mentioned earlier. And when you choose words that soothe, think about that verse. It says, be anxious for nothing. Like find a, find a word that will, you know what? This is, this is all right. I don't have to be anxious about these things because I can't fix it right now. It's not going fi- to get fixed today, but it's, it is what it is, right? And so take that and just kind of, you take those kinds of words and you just accept where you are and recognize that you can look to other sources. You can pray, you can write, you can express to kind of get that anxiety off of you in this very moment and then learn to let it go. The fourth type of word you should choose are words of joy. And an example of these kinds of words are count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And this comes from James 1 and 2. And James 1 verses 2 and 3, excuse me. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And I am a huge, huge proponent, and actually the the last type of word will speak to this point as well. When you can look for a positive outlook in circumstances, in negative circumstances that face your life, you will always be you will always come out on top. And so when you can count it all joy, joy is different than happiness, right? Joy is the way that I see it, is something that comes from within that no matter what's going on around you, that can remain your internal state. Whereas happiness is something that can change from circumstance to circumstance. So when you when something good is happening, you can be happy. But when something bad is happening, you can be, you know, you won't be happy. But when you have joy, whether something good or bad is happening, your internal state lines up with that emotion and that experience. So you count all joy when you fall into various trials, trials because challenges test your faith. Challenges test what you are made of. And when you are tested, you know what you can go through. And you might not know it in the moment, but when you look back at that test, that is when you know you have been through something and therefore you're capable of going through something again. The fifth kind of word that we should choose are words that acknowledge the blessings of the struggle. And similar to the verse that I just mentioned, here's another example. And not only that, 
but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. When you think about that glory in tribulations, you count it all joy, you know that in these tests, in these struggles, in these challenges, you are going to gain something from this. And when you approach life knowing that every situation that you experience, whether it left you crying and balled up in a, you know, in the fetal position on your bed because it was so painful and so hurt, so hurtful, no matter, or it was, you know, you got a raise at your job or you were able to graduate, all experiences have value. All experiences can teach you something about yourself and about life generally. And when you approach, even in the midst of the struggle, to take a step back and say, and say, what can, what am I learning here? What am I supposed to be learning here? This is something that I have gotten very, it's become second nature to me almost in pretty much my entire life for a lot, a lot of my life, but I've become much more aware of it in the last several years because I know the way that it's very easy to be weighed down when things are not going right. It's very easy to find to point and place blame or to spend time focusing on the negative because the negative is usually obvious, right? Like it doesn't take much energy to be able to see the negative experience or the negative things or the negative results of an experience that you're having. But it takes some thought. It takes some effort. It takes some energy. It takes some prayer. It takes some some humility to say, well, what can I gain here? What am I supposed to be learning right now in this experience? Is this is this a lesson for me? Is this a val? Is this something that I need to improve on? Is somebody trying to wake me up right now and say, you know what? You need to stop talking to that person. You know what? Maybe this job isn't for you. You know what? Maybe you shouldn't be trying to, you know, do these kinds of things in exchange for these other circumstances or experiences. Maybe you need to sit down somewhere and not try and, you know, fly all over the world for the next eight months because you need to be saving and paying your bills, which is a conversation I'm having with myself right now. Maybe, you know, so think about, there are any number of scenarios that are happening in your life right now that you might need to be paying attention to. And if you, and then everything is not going right, but if you are willing to say, you know what, let me focus on this right now. What am I supposed to be gaining here? That negative experience, you're now learning to not necessarily be excited about negative experiences. You're not necessarily learning to look forward to them, but you are recognizing that this experience is going to give you something. It's going to make you better. It's going to produce perseverance. It's going to produce character. It's going to produce hope. It's going to increase your patience. It's going to further your faith. And when you do that, think about the the things that I that I um, that I talked about when you are when you are are looking for to, looking for those opportunities and actually and actively actively paying attention to them and looking for them then you can't lose nothing life throws at you can be that devastating and not again I'm not saying that everything is going to be actually be good that all circumstances are going to be good but if you are looking to see the growth and the gains that come from any circumstance, you will always find a way to win. You will always see a silver lining. And I'm not saying that you're going to become a naive person who is always, who, you know, thinks everything is hunky-dory and great all the time. But you can say, you know what, that actually sucked. But here's what I learned from it. And if you can say that, 
then you know then that then your recollection and your connection to that experience the the stank is taken off of it a little bit right it's not it's like you know what but and and then you can give yourself props because you survived and you kept it moving you didn't lay there and let you know the the ashes keep crumbling all over you but you stood up dusted yourself off and said yeah i got this soot on me and i look a little crazy but i'm walking away from it and that's what that's what faith is doing for me that is what paying attention to the words that i am and am in, am spending my energy listening to and reading that's what's happening for me i'm learning to fortify myself in a different way and it's become it's it's made a huge difference in my life in the last 7 7 months or so that i've been doing this bible study with some of my friends um and and spending more energy looking for these words from the Bible as my source. And so I wanted to share those words with you, starting going back to the, you know, that story with Zacharias and and Mary, because in that moment, it, it demonstrated how when you the words that you choose can be a reflection of the state that you're in, the mental and emotional, the internal state that you have. And if you're asking questions that are coming from a place of doubt, that are coming from a place of fear, that are coming from a place of lack, versus if you're asking questions because you just want to know what I need to do to make sure I can go forward or what my responsibility is going to be in this thing, and then believe anyway that's a different kind of conversation. Those two types of words that, those are two different types of words. They come from two different places, even though the end result is going to be the promise that was originally given to you. If you start with the words that are not questioning what the experience is going to be, then you won't end up like Zacharias, Zacharias who was muted for, uh, who was mute for the nine months while Elizabeth was pregnant. You will just be able to go forth and talk about and share the belief that you have and share the faith and the excitement that you have that this thing is going to come to fruition for you. So just a quick recap of those, the five kinds of words that we should choose to give ourselves power the first type, words that remind us to check ourselves. And that verse came from Proverbs 18, 21. We should also choose words of strength. That verse came from Philippians 4, 13. We should also choose words that soothe. And that verse came from Philippians 4 through 6. We should also choose words of joy. And that verse came from James chapter 1, verses two through three. And lastly, we should choose words that acknowledge the blessings of the struggle. And that came from Romans chapter five, verses three and four. And in thinking about the idea that our words have power and in me sharing five kinds of words that I think that we should choose and speak those words and use those words and reinforce them as we face the different things that we go through every day in our lives. I would love to hear from you because I know that every day each of us are dealing with something that it might be helpful to hear a word or connection or an experience or a thought or reflection that could help us deal with what we're going through in that moment. And I would love to hear from, I'd love to hear from you. Is there something that you're dealing with right now that you would like a word and not necessarily a word from the Bible, which I might offer you anyway, but um, just some reflections on, just some thoughts, just to just to say, you know what, I've shared this with someone and 
it's no longer just resting with me within me. I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to Tiffany at how does she do a podcast.com. And we are at the end of this week's episode. And again, I appreciate you for listening. I appreciate you for deal, for bearing with me. I appreciate you for your support. I appreciate you for your future emails that you're going to send. And as always, please feel free to share this show. Feel free to email me, Tiffany, at HowDoesSheDoItPodcast.com, questions, comments, thoughts. And please, 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 I will keep on asking if you could leave your five-star ratings and reviews in the iTunes store as uh, the show will continue to grow and we will continue to gain new exposure. And I just really, really thank you for your support. And before we go, I'm going to read another review from the iTunes store. And if you want to be one of these people whose reviews get read on, read on the show, just go ahead and leave me a review. Um, this one comes from Tarn Baby, and it says, I love this show. I am new to podcasts, and I search for them. Please advise of more. And I am sorry that I'm just getting to this on the show, um, but thank you very much for your review and your rating. And hopefully you have heard more of the episode since then. And um, and actually what I want to do for next episode is actually share with you a few of the podcasts that I listen to because I am subscribed to a whole bunch. Um, but I will share the, the, those that I think are um, my favorites and give you some reasons why. So with that, Thank you again for listening, and I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please share it. Please like it. Please um, rate it and review it. And until next time, be blessed and be a blessing. Peace.